and welcome to the Nerd Grounds podcast. As always, I am half of the show, your host, Jake. And here with me tonight is my man, Blake. What up, Blake? Why do you call yourself Jake? You, you go by Jacob all the time. Not. Why you, why'd you do why did you, you do that? Why, you attack, why did you attack me? Why do you have to attack me like that? I have to attack you for the whole episode, so I'm on the offensive right now. You're being awfully rude, Blake. I'm just trying to have a nice, peaceful conversation before I destroy you. Oh, you're such a hypocrite. Hypocrite? How so? Please laugh. You're a turncoat. Blake. You're a turncoat. This is kangaroo court. <laughs> kangaroo court. This is kangaroo court. All right, and I'm the judge. You judge the kangaroo court. You proud of yourself? <laughs> no, when you say it like that, no. But at first, when I declared I was the judge, I did. <laughs> okay, didn't think about that, did you? All you did was think about yourself. Oh God, Blake! I'm thinking about all the ways I'm gonna kill you. In this team deathmatch, nerd ground What's- team deathmatch. Blake and I have been thinking about a new game for you guys we're going to play. Blake, you want to give it a little uh, description? It's not complicated at all. It's not like Civilian 6. It's similar, but different. Same, same, but different. It's just three. (laughs) But different. Three on three. My team versus that other team. Who gives a fuck about that other team? My team. We're just trying to focus Red on team. the characters that are still interesting, but, gang, that... gang, 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 gang. <laughs> but wouldn't make it in civilian gang, 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 gang. We're Talking about the soldiers, the squad members, the shoot 'em up guys, mostly gang. based on video games, <laughs> but we're working in everybody that we can. You'll get a good idea of who's going to be in this battle once we start listing off our characters, and you'll be the judge of how badly I beat Jacob today. It's not going to happen, but just so you guys know, superpowers are off the table. We are picking strictly militarized characters, uh, weapon-based characters um, from all sorts of media, like Blake explained. And we're very excited to be bringing this Nerd Grounds team deathmatch to y'all. And where so, will this battle be taking place? Well, I'm glad you asked, Blake, because we did post a poll on Twitter and uh picture on our instagram and we got a couple responses and a few different votes on the poll it was pretty close almost even for most of the day and it came out to the nuketown map from call of duty the other option was blood gulch it was between the blood gulch and nuketown and it was very close and it came down to nuketown uh, a smaller map so uh, close combat will be uh, more effective in this map. Uh, you know you... what? I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. I wanted Blood Gulch, but that was before I picked my characters. But after I picked my characters, I'm happy with Nuketown. You know, I was actually going for Blood... I wanted Blood Gulch myself, but obviously we didn't vote. Um, because, you know, that's just not how we're doing it. We uh, we didn't vote, oh, and... Voted. You, you voted? <laughs> yeah. Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> All right. I lost like, the blood gulch lost anyway. All right, so, uh, so we, it, there was a poll between blood gulch and Nuketown, and um, I didn't get to vote because I posted the poll, but Blake voted for blood gulch, and I wanted blood gulch too personally, so I'm okay with that. Uh, but they didn't win. Nuketown won, and we will be meeting in Nuketown. I am the red team. Blake is the blue team. So let's go, blue team. So. No, 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 no. What? No. I'm the red team. I'm winning. Go team red. Red team, go. <laughs> the way this is going to work is we're going to go one by one and introduce some of our characters we've picked randomly, just like the Civilian 6 game. Just like the Civilian 6 game. Uh, we don't know who the other person has selected yet, so this is going to be interesting. We've done a little bit of research throughout the day on each of our three characters we've selected randomly. And... Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. Um, I know I've spent the majority of my day since I've been off work doing research on three of my characters, two more uh, than the other, because I've known a little bit more about the other, and uh, very excited. <laughs> very. So excited. the difference between this game and Civilian 6 is that we're not going to take time to see how each character interacts like when we bring them in. We're just going introduce this character, 
that character, this character, that character, this character, and that their character, and then eventually, all right, who's going to win in this team fight? And we're not going to take personalities into question that much. We're just going to assume that they're all working together as exactly. much as they can. Exactly. They understand, for the most part, this is a... You know, a team death match. It's just like it says in the name. So they're going to be working together. No questions asked. Their personalities, like Blake said, will not be taken into effect. It will for just be more. For the most part, kind of like. For, there's no going to be clashing on each other's teams. Like, they're, exactly. they're going to be cooperative. Exactly. Uh, we're going to be going off of their standard weaponry um, tactics they have used in the previous battles. Um, experience they might have in previous battles that could be taken into effect with this map. And um, for those of you who don't know about the Nuketown map, it is, um, you know, based on a typical 1950s U.S. suburb, um, used to demonstrate the effects of a nuclear weapon on a residential area. And mannequins as well as accessible buildings and vehicles will appear throughout the map, uh, depending on, you know, the variations of the different Call of Duties that, you know, came out throughout the years. Nuketown is pretty much, I'm, I don't know if, I don't, if it's been on all of them. I'm pretty sure it's been on every Call of Duty that's came out in the past decade. But the map is pretty much symmetrical. There's two houses with two floors and a garage, a backyard to both of them, a middle section and a, and bus, a vehicle. Son. And a bus and a, 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 a semi-truck as well. <laughs> so don't who's forget about the semi-truck. The character? Um, Blake, I want to hear who you got first. Go ahead and uh, lay it on me. Who you got first? So I know the listeners might think, like, why would this character make it in? But once you really think about it, yeah, this character deserves to be in this kind of battle. I'm talking about Jackie Briggs, that daughter of Jacks himself from Mortal Kombat. Okay, okay, Jackie Briggs. For those of you who don't know about Jackie Briggs, uh, Blake, why don't you enlighten some of the listeners? Debuted in Mortal Kombat X. A little bit of background information was she was a successful kickboxer and even competed in the Junior Olympics before enlisting in the military and eventually making it to the Special Forces. Her main drive is to protect Earthrealm and avenge her father's suffering he received from Quan Chi and Ermac. Obviously, she kind of has a lot of confidence wanting to take down those two. Along with her kickboxing experience and Special Forces fighting skills, she has a pair of gauntlets that enhances her strength and can and that can fire plasma shotgun shells or machine gun rounds or even some rocket rounds depending on what she feels like that day. Another uh, move that I that's gonna make a huge difference in this battle. She has a tech shield move that can absorb strikes that can be very useful defensively. She has shown the ability to deliver a barrage of punches to the ribs and chest, shattering everything. <laughs> oh, this is their X-ray move. Jumping an X-ray move already. So, and then after, after she's uh, shattered everything in the torso, she can land an uppercut that will launch the, uh, her opponent in the air and then set in her up to deliver a final blow that breaks the spine. And I, would you like to hear the fatality? I'm not sure I do, but I'm sure you're going to tell me anyway, so go ahead. Ooh, she just rips off the sides of her opponent's waist and she like drives her gauntlets and fists into the the open wounds and fires the weapons blowing off the back of the opponent's head and torso. And just so (laughs) she's not a chump, obviously, but she has some notable wins against Farah and Tor. That's like Mortal Kombat's first tag team character setup. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's a, just a giant brute with a little, little person on a back on its back with blades. I'm familiar (laughs) with the, the character. Yeah, and Kotal Khan, who is a guy who replaced Shao Kahn when he got his ass whooped. She also played a huge part in saving Earthrealms, actually. So, along with Takeda, her squad mate, she successfully held off the revenant versions of Katana, Liu Kang, Kung Lao, and Sidel, while Cassie Cage went inside and fucked up Shinnok. Okay, okay. So, tell me a little bit more about her weaponry. What kind of specific weaponry will she be bringing to this battle? Those gauntlets, son. The gauntlets. What can the gauntlets do? I told you. Those gauntlets Rip. can uh, enhances their strength and can fire plasma, shotgun shells, machine gun rounds, and rocket rounds, too, just depending on what she feels like that day. Okay, so they got it all. They do it all. Yeah, it's like it's like either one of those. Like It's not all of them at once, but just what, she's, what she wants to do that day. Okay, okay. 
That's very interesting. That's very interesting. It's, uh, you know, that's kind of going to be my, one of my first characters is going to be not as a decorated, but very, very familiar with most of the fans. And that is none other than a man known as Peter Quill, Star-Lord. Yes, very exciting to be using him. Um, for those of you who don't know about him, I'm using his comic book version, not the movie version that most of you are going to be familiar with. Uh, the comic book version, uh, you know, the movie version, you could use his, you know, a celestial background, and that's just, you know, don't want to get with that. That's, you know, he can get too OP. We don't he's know. We don't. Killer dance moves as well. He's got killer dance moves, but I'm not going to be using that version. I'm sorry. Um, so he is half alien, but it's not a powerful celestial. Uh, anyways, so Peter Quill is an expert marksman, uh, martial artist, and master tactician and a strategist. And that's just a little bit about what he his abilities he's going to be bringing to this battle. Some of his equipment he's going to be using is obviously he's got the uh, the helmet that's going to you know kind of protect his face uh, a bit. You know, <laughs> obviously a helmet is pretty good in battle. It's going to obviously protect your head and face uh, as well as his jet boots. He has the jet boots that's going to be able to uh, propel him up into the air for extended amounts of times. It helps him vaults over, um, you know, obstacles and different buildings, helps him get into higher advantages. He can't, you know, necessarily fly, um, but he can launch himself uh, great distances with those jet boots as well as his uh, twin pistols, his elemental guns capable of conjuring the four elements into uh, one blast and uh, firing away at his opponents. This is two trusty pistols he always carries with him. And like I previously stated, he's an excellent marksman and tactician, so I'm very uh, excited to see how I'm going to be able to use him in this fight. That's all you got? And, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm going to keep my cards close to my chest for him. Um, obviously, you know a lot about what he can uh, do. I mean, he's pretty... Simple weaponry. He doesn't have too much, uh, but he's a, he's a smart tactician, a very smart tactician. I'm excited to see what I'm going to be able to do with him. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I'm not scared yet, though. Okay. Well, let's hear what you got. Let's All hear right, number two. <laughs> number two. Number two, like doo-doo, because that's what you remind me of. <laughs> oh, you, uh, sick burn. You got me there. Yeah, dog. Yeah. I should have Googled how to actually <laughs> pronounce his real name first. <sighs> but I love this character so much. But it's, he always has a nickname. That's always what it goes as. I'm talking about Ratas Vadum. He is a shitmaster made famous from Halo. If you don't know who I'm talking about, it's the badass white elite that has half of his face missing. Or half of his mouth, this, mouth missing, better way to say it. So his species is a Sangheili or elite, stacking at seven foot ten inches. Arsenal includes a classic energy sword that we all know and love, the plasma rifle, of course. Little, like little thing that nobody really, well, not as popular as the Sangheili point defense gauntlet. Almost looks like a riot shield, except it's energy based and can absorb attacks. And he also has a personal energy shield. That's the basic one you see. Like when you shoot like enemy elites, their shield will come up and you'll see it. And he has the active camouflage as well, along with most elites have. And he was some notable accomplishments. He was part of the first contact that the Covenant had with the, with the Flood. This is where he gained his iconic look with the missing left mandibles. He cares deeply about his troops. Like he defended them quite a bit against the flood like that's pretty impressive he didn't know what the flood was but he still made an effort to defend his troops and he survived the uh, flood attack nonetheless and <laughs> another awesome quote from him just to show you how much he cares about his team is that he said this to arbiter like you are the arbiter the will of the prophets but these are my elites their lives matter to me yours does not <laughs> kind of cold <cult>, but... <laughs> But that's Jeez. just the kind of guys he is. He turns out to be best friends with Arbiter after a while. But anyways, moving on. Has held a Covenant camp against the Flood alone, too, for a landing site for a decent amount of time. And after defecting from the Covenant, after he realized the Prophet's like corruption, he helped uh, the humans by glassing half a continent 
by the like that was infected. Glassing a continent means like you just make it inhabitable, like you just kind of destroy it. And he also <laughs> played a. <laughs> well, he didn't do that with his hands. He was in a ship. He could, he he's a great pilot, by the way. He played a huge part in destroying the Prophet of Truth's fleet. He led the Battle of Insulation Double Zero, joining forces joining forces with Commander Miranda Keys, another badass in Halo, to destroy the mm-hmm. Prophet of Truth's much larger fleet. And that was a huge part of Halo. He helped out so much. Master Chief and Arbiter owe a lot to him, to be honest. And that's all I got. Hmm. It's very interesting that you used the shipmaster as your second character, Blake, because the second character that I happen to pick would be the Arbiter, <laughs> also known as Thel Vadim. Vadim, Vadim, I'm not sure. But he was <laughs> trained. Covenant names are kind of hard. Yeah, the Covenant are alien species from the video game Halo. For some of you who do not know, um, the, one of the most, you know, my favorite species of aliens in the video games. Anyways. So Thel was trained young in his life by his uncle, Lak Vadam E, which means that when you add the E at the end, the double E, it means you're uh, you're in the military. He fought alongside the Covenant when they fa- uh, attacked Mandragal in the year of 2528, and soon gained Thel gained the rank of shipmaster and earned the title of Caden within his keep. Um, you know his keep was the he was a part of the Vadam family, um, was very powerful rulers of the state of Vadam on Sanghelios. And as well as Blake's character, you know, he's a Sanghelis, uh, stands at 7'10", as very, very... I believe he was 7'9", but oh well. No, 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 no. He is 7'10". No, he's 7'10", but let's move on. All right, anyways, we can argue (laughs) about this. Look at the Halo Nation page. Anyways, uh, he's very skilled in the use of an energy sword and even goes as far as to getting his very own special colored energy sword, uh, orange colored into, um, known as the Prophet's Bane. After he um, ended up joining the humans in the war between the Covenant humans, and uh, it was named after his despise for the prophets of the Covenant. Um, as I said, he's very profound with the energy sword as well as a you know standard Covenant plasma rifle. And, you know, it's an automatic energy rifle that's used by almost all of the Covenant soldiers, and you know one of the more common weapons. But he is also uh, proficient with the Covenant carbine, which is more of a mid-range to long-range weapon. Uh, semi-automatic, pretty much a sniper rifle, a very plasma sniper rifle, a very powerful weapon, um, very useful in this game, if you'll ask me, and during this fight. Well, soon after being promoted to shipmaster, Thel suffered an injury in a training room uh, due to a mistake. His family covered up the incident. They're a very powerful and prideful family. Covered that up because basically um, he he needed surgery, and the loss of blood in uh, the elite culture equates to loss of honor. So they're very traditional. Yeah. So a- after he left his title as shipmaster, he just stayed at the Caden of his keep, which is pretty much he. I don't know. I guess you can equate that to the governor of the state. You know, he pretty much ran the group around where he lived, and it was a very important member of his family. Um, he was tasked with continuing the reign of the powerful state of Vadim. And early in his rule, he was attacked by three Sangheli assassins wielding energy swords. Swords. And he managed to kill all three without even being scratched, which I thought was pretty cool. So he did end up, after some time, becoming a little bit higher in the ranking than a shipmaster. Um, he became a supreme commander. So <laughs> that's uh, pretty cool. He was ranked a supreme commander in the elite Covenant Army. Was. Yes, and as he was, uh, as he was a supreme commander, he was responsible for over one billion human casualties and the loss of at least seven human worlds. And the destruction of over 123 human vessels. So, uh, you know, his body count's pretty high. You know, over 1 billion human casualties. He's, uh, he's vicious. Mm-hmm. The shipmaster is pretty badass himself, but I, I think the Arbiter has just got such more of an impressive, decorated military background. He is, uh, you know, he's got a lot more of a body count than your shipmaster does. And I think he's going to be a lot more effective in this fight, to say the least. Oh, decorated uh, military background. Is yes, that what you're saying? More, thank you. Yes, a more decorated military background. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes, I am. Because I'm you glad know, you I don't said that. I don't think why the ship arbiter in the first place. Uh, you know what, Blake? He made it to the. Sh- did did the shipmaster ever make it to the supreme commander? Say what you want, but shipmaster didn't fuck up. 
You know what? I'll give it to you. Right. You're right. The Arbiter did gain his name due to becoming, you know, the fall of grace because of who, Blake? Who, you know, who gave the Arbiter his biggest L and gave him that, you know, that mark of shame from the <laughs> prophets? Let's just go ahead and say it. It was Master Chief. You know, you're going to blame him for losing the Master Chief? Well, you're talking him up so much. Well, you know what? Did the shipmaster ever beat Master Chief? Did he ever lose to Master Chief? Did they ever fight? No. <laughs> All right, then. Shut the fuck up. Well, ma- uh, Shipmaster helped out Master Chief so much. And if you look at it, like when you, Arbiter made his debut in the video game series, you got to look at it this way. Arbiter was able to do a lot of the shit he did in that game because of the Shipmaster. Shipmaster was always there to help him out. Most of the game. Not always, but most of the game. We'll see about that. Well, you know, when I think when it comes down to it, uh, you know, the Covenant, uh, excuse me, the Arbiter's got uh, just a, a little more weapons he's going to be bringing with him to the table as well. You know, he's got two different guns and the plasma sword, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how that comes, how that, oh, he's no what that goes down to. He's no pushover. But I just uh, want to say that, like, the the lore behind Halo is just, oh my god, it's like, a dictionary behind it it's amazing it's so fucking much like once you google it you'll realize you can spend hours upon hours researching halo and you'll never be able to finish it yeah i gotta give it to you you are a lot more knowledgeable in the halo universe than i am and i I don't even know that much to be honest well you do when i seem to talk to you i like compared to me you know a lot more than i do so there's so much and that was uh compare the saying healy or the elites to samurai as well you know they do specialize in those energy swords so i could see where you're getting that from no not just that it's just that they're like their beliefs their philosophy and their attitudes like they're very honorable okay okay yeah i i wouldn't you know i've only done my research on the arbiter i haven't done too much about the saying healy culture but it's pretty interesting to hear about that like once you think about it, like and play the games again, like you'll like okay, th- like there's a lot of inspiration from Samurai going into them. Well, uh, do you want to go ahead and lay on your uh, final character? I think it's time to get to the big guns. I know I saved my best for last. I want to hear what, what you got for your third character, buddy. <laughs> I'm not gonna lay on my third character. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Blake! God. Uh, uh. Be careful what you say, son. Whatever, dude. <laughs> All right, scuba jeans. The fuck you just call me? Scuba jeans. Anyways, my third <laughs> so Blake, character. What? Tell me who your third character is. Come on, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. My third, third character is. I want to do just a quick rundown of this character because it's a character we all know and love. Like I thought I wasn't being lazy, but I feel like once I say this character, I only need to explain a little bit. And I'm talking about none other than Superman. What? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was gonna say fuck you. <laughs> my, my last my last character is Red Hood. <laughs> Damn it. Obviously, first trained by Batman himself as Robin. He has access to high-level civilian and military-grade weaponry, but obviously he prefers his dual pistols, various explosives, and his dagger, which has been shown to cut through Batman's armor. It's got to be pretty good, right? And gadgets along with lethally sharpened uh, shurikens that can do pretty like do some damage he has enhanced strength speed and durability from his resurrection from the lazarus pit and has worked closely with characters much more powerful than him so he's not gonna be intimidated at all like starfire artemis and bizarro sorry about sorry to be quick about it but man i got my ace in the hole right there i'm not sure but we'll find out that's pretty confident of you, Blake, especially when you're who my third character is. Are you sure you don't want to give me any more like, convincing arguments and details you're going to need about the Red Hood? I want to hear about some of his uh, special weaponry he'll be bringing. What, what specific weaponry will he be bringing to the... His, uh... yeah, his dual wheel pistols and his shurikens. I mean, it's just like, like picture like, his Injustice version going into this. You want to hear about someone who doesn't give a fuck as going to be my third character. 
It's uh, someone I really didn't know too much about. Uh, I was familiar with the universe, but the character in particular, I didn't, because I'm not too familiar with the Star Wars extended universe. Um, and the character I got was none other than the Assassin Protocol droid HK-47. <laughs> And uh, he is an HK series assassin droid, a class four assassin protocol droid to be exact. And he stands at about five nine. Um, he has an integrated modular weapons mounts, a blaster rifle, and a droid assassin rifle. I want that to be, uh, you know, I want you to keep that in mind. A droid, the assassin rifle. I'm and, very uh, familiar with the character. I'm still not scared. Okay, well, uh, I don't know if you know everything about this character. Uh, but he can, he just, you know, pretty much has a disdain for all organic life. Um, and that was because of his creator, Darth Revan. Uh, Darth Revan specifically created him, by the way, to hunt and kill Jedi. All right. So he gave him a lot of updates and mods when he created him uh, specifically for killing Jedi. And this guy has a lot of badass gear he's going to be bringing to this battle. And it's all standard. He's got on him and... You're you're screwed, Blake. But uh, you know he he re- he refers to all organic life. I think this meat is pretty bags. Funny. Meat bags. You're right. You took the punchline. You piece of shit. Thank you for stealing. I that love him so much. Me. I'm sorry. He is he is a great character. I do. You know, the more I learned about him, the more I loved him, and I do want to learn more about him even still. Um, but that was because of uh, it all started when uh, Darth Malik, Darth Revan's apprentice, had asked what the droid thought of him. In stating his opinion, HK-47 informed Malik of his meatbag status, and Darth Revan found the insult as well as Malik's annoyance so amusing that he'd reprogrammed HK-47 to consider all organic life forms as meatbags. And that's just the, the best, you know, <laughs> you know, he refers to everyone as a meatbag. That's the best. You know, he was a hunter, killer, assassin droid, and Jedi hunter created by Darth Revan, like I had said, at the end of the Mandalorian War. Um, you know, after the massive amounts of destruction caused by the mass shadow generator super weapon. Are you familiar with the mass shadow generator super weapon, Blake? Of course. All right. Well, you know, you know how much destruction and devastation it caused afterwards, after it was used in the end of the Mandalore War. Mandalorian right. War. It, it, just, it devastated the entire surface of the planet. <laughs> okay. It killed the entire planet. So after that, Revan was right. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it was deadly. It was ugly. But after that, Revan was inspired to seek a more subtle methods of defeating his enemies. In comes the assassin droid, HK-47. And HK-47 was sent through numerous missions throughout the galaxy and successfully assassinated all targets – or excuse me, all of his targets he assassinated were all deemed as threats to galactic stability and peace by Darth Revan. Now, if you know who Darth Revan is, you know he's a very powerful uh, force user. Uh, he is a Sith at times. He was a Jedi at times. In bet- he was in between at times. Uh, but he was one of the most powerful force users to exist. And Darth Revan had a list of people he deemed as threats to galactic stability and peace. And HK-47 went across the galaxy assassinating these people. If Darth Revan deems you as a threat, you've got to be pretty damn impressive. You understand where I'm coming from, Blake? Oh, very much so. Okay, so just keep that in mind. He was going across the galaxy just murking people who Darth Revan considered threats. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, I was... Oh, go ahead. Okay, you know, and true to his design as an assassin droid, HK-47 was a dangerous opponent, able to fight effectively in open combat as well as stealth ops. You know, he can fight up close and from a distance. Um, he could, you know, be guns blazing right in your face. He could be killing you from a distance. Uh, it, he had it all. You know, and when I say he had it all, um, let me tell you a little bit about his weaponry. You know, the droid assassin rifle, like I previously stated, um, is a heavily modified disruptor rifle. It it had a vicious, devastating – it was a vicious, devastating weapon that disintegrated its targets. It tore apart its victims' bodies at the molecular level, destroying body tissue and bypassing most sorts of energy weapons – or energy shields, excuse me. And when I say it was heavily modified – it not only had improved optics, but it had a reduced recoil and an extended range as well. You know, the ultimate assassination weapon, and this droid was deadly with it. And like I previously stated as well, Darth Revan specifically designed him to kill Jedi. Like, have we ever seen a droid in a movie kill a Jedi? 
In a movie? No. In, no. How many times do you know of a droid who killed Jedi? I'm pretty sure there's one other one. Do you know specifically? I think his name is Mr. Bones. I'm have to research that. Let me from the aftermath check. trilogy. From the aftermath trilogy. He's an extent. It's, I'm pretty sure his name is Mr. Bones. Let me double Mr. check Bones that is for the, him. Is the the B one? You're referring to the the B one battle droid created in the aftermath trilogy by Chuck Wendig. Yeah. Yes, I'm familiar with the character. Um, he was actually. It's funny that you mentioned him. He was actually created. From uh, um, inspired by HK forty seven. Well, HK forty seven, yeah, was like the first, like one, the first killer droid. Well, Chunk Wendig actually wanted to use HK forty seven in particular instead of um, Mr. Bones. Well, everybody but, wants to use him. Well, Lucasfilm, you know, LucasArts, uh, whatever, and Disney all said for whatever reasons he, that he, he couldn't use but, him, so he had to create. He he created Mr. Bones. Uh, inspired off of the character. It's interesting you said that. <laughs> I don't know Mr. Bones more than that, any more than that, because um, I, you know, I doing my research on HK forty seven. I did uh, read that, but I don't know if he's killed Jedi. But that's pretty cool that you brought that up. Anyway, yeah. so he, you know, like I said, he's you know made for killing Jedi, um, and so you know he's knows so many methods. There's actually a point in the Knights of the Old Republic too. I forget which character is conversing with him, but he's explaining, you know, the exact ways to kill a Jedi. You know, he's a, very knowledgeable in many techniques for assassinating Jedi. Uh, um, you know, when faced with a Jedi, he's, you know, talking about he's got specific weapons, specifically for, you know, combat with a lightsaber, um, such as grenades, sonic screamers, uh, cluster rockets, plasma charge. That's the main one, though, the sonic attacks. Yeah, because that'll disrupt their focus enough to, you know, to, it, it knocks off the because the force is all about concentration and focus. So most yeah. of these weapons are, uh, you know, they can't be disruptive by a a blaster, you know, a regular blaster rifle. And he actually, you know, there's a, a quote I read from him stating that the next droid he sees uh, battling a Jedi with a blaster pistol, he'll shoot himself. Which <laughs> I thought was pretty funny. You know, he he's you know so efficient, uh, so particular about his weaponry he's like no if you're gonna do that basic shit get out of here with that i'll kill you myself you don't even come at the jedi with that like he is so good at what he does i know and, i know you know and he's got you know the poison gas as well as mines and i think all of those weapons are going to be taken into a big factor in this battle and i'm very excited to see you know what he can do his sniping is ridiculous the way he can use his methods you know He's made for killing Jedi. I can't emphasize that enough. I don't care who you got. Red Hood has been trained by Batman. Uh, he doesn't have the Force. The, the, I don't think. I guess any... it's a good thing I don't have any Jedi on my team then. Yeah, well, you're right, but I, I don't think any of your characters are <laughs> going to stand a chance, um, especially when it comes down to the fact that HK47 hates all organic life. He despises all three of your characters. He's going to come for the, you know, he's going to come for the throat. You're all dead. So. Yeah, it's like, a little I, extra motivation. HK forty seven has been a like a fan favorite of mine since like my childhood when I first started playing Knights of the Old Republic. If you really want to know more about it, just play that game. It's the greatest Star Wars game of all time. You can argue with me on that. I will never back down from that. But the one problem I had with him when I was like had him on my party, like he is on my party usually, but is that he just moves so fucking slow. He want to tell him to hurry his ass up all the time. Other than that, I didn't have a problem with him. But still, I'm really not that worried, to be honest. I well, um, don't think he's that mobile enough to... All right, so just get into... Uh, <laughs> I almost got into it. But yeah, let's just go into the battle right now. Okay, well, you know what? I'm going to go off and say, first of all, I don't think HK-47 is going to... I think he's going to be the um, the sniper in the group. He's going to be staying yeah, in the house a from a distance. In yeah, you know that's a the the top floor in Nuketown is you know pretty much known for its sniping locations at different angles. Um, it's a common for a sniper to hang out on the top floor in Nuketown. Um, yeah, I know. And I think that's gonna be he's gonna stay in the house. Um, I think he's gonna stay on the our side. Use his excessive weaponry to uh, plant traps. He's got plasma charges and mines. He's gonna set traps. You, you're not gonna be able to. Coming to our side to, without like, catching. When he's setting traps, though, he has to like manually set them on the battlefield. Though, like he has to like literally go to a spot and set them up. 
Okay, and you don't think Peter Quill and the Arbiter can provide cover fire enough for him long enough for him they, to do that? I mean, they could, but I don't think it'd be. I think it'd be like kind of a sacrificial mission because I think he'd just get ambushed and everything. Uh, like you're just setting him up as bait. I know he can take care of himself, but not against all three of my characters. So your your strategy is you're going in for an all out ambush. I think Shipmaster would stay behind the lines a little bit and give some combat advice because he is a commander of the battlefield. I give him that. Like he'll be like giving advice on the battlefield as much as he can. Red Hood and Jackie Briggs, they're coming out sprinting. And okay. they're not they're not just sprinting straight forwards. They're very acrobatic in their own ways. Interesting. And uh you, you don't think that uh you, you think they have a chance of sneaking up on the or how do you th- how, what route would they take? I mean, you know the map in Nuketown. What route what route are they gonna take? How are they gonna you can't they're gonna run, you know, where you know, we're setting traps on our, up around middle, our house. Like setting up traps, though. This is like three, two, one, go. You're not gonna have enough time to set up traps. We're we start off. We're starting off defensive. We're starting off defensive. Yeah, you set up, You have to set up those traps manually, though. Exactly. So the arbiter and Peter Quill are going to cover HK47 as he um, booby traps, traps all- and we'll see him setting them up. No, he's going to stay from inside the house and set up traps to avoid all the entrances. It's going to cover his six. I'm not setting traps along the houses. He's going to cover I'm his six Peter on all Quill's the entrances. Flying. I'm assuming Peter Quill's flying right now. Nope, he is still – they are inside the house. They are outside around the back covering all angles, making sure that no one's coming from the sides. And then the Arbiter think- is staying inside the house, uh, making sure no one comes through the fronts. I think it would be a mistake to keep Peter Quill on the ground because – in a close combat with Jackie Briggs, him versus Jackie Briggs in close combat, he doesn't stand a chance. I agreed, but I said Peter Quill will be staying in the more in the backyard area, making sure no one comes yeah, in. No, he's sides. on the ground though. Like if he's yes. on the ground at all, if he's on the ground, he's dead. Well, you don't think if he sees Jackie Briggs running towards him, he's uh, he'll, he'd launch himself into the air. He's going to launch himself into the air and keep it and from Jackie a distance. Jackie Briggs can lo- launch herself in the air with her gauntlets. Okay, well, he's got, pistols. He's, he's got twin pistols. He's got them at all times that he could fire while he's flying. So while Peter Quill's like, he's shooting it, how is she going to defend himself, herself from two plasma pistols, elemental pistols? I think, meanwhile, Shipmaster and Arbiter are going at it with at an energy sword battle that might never end. It's coming down to other teammates. So it's going to come down to Red Hood and HK-47. Yeah, and I think... HK-47, as much as I love him, I think he's too clunky. I think he's too slow-moving for Red Hood. How can he be that slow-moving, as you're saying, when he's got this impressive kill streak? He's made for killing Jedi. He might be – It might be that That might be how, you know, in the game gameplay. But I know, I know, I know. But still, a Red Hood is killed. like – Are you going to say Red Hood is more acrobatic and more athletic no, than a Jedi? Uh, some Jedi, yeah, but <laughs> he's going to be acrobatic. He's going to be peppering him with shots, and his shield is not invincible. You're right. It's not invincible, but with the you know, I think the first Red Hood effort... can keep on landing shots, like, decent enough to take his shield down. And if you're saying that he's going to be setting up traps, like, is he setting up traps, or is he defending himself? Well, I think he's going to set up a couple mines around the first... It's not going to take that long for him to set up some mines and some plasma charges. He's going to cover, you know, the main entrances to the building with the plasma charges, and I think he's going to stay on the top floor and wait out with his, you know, assassin rifle. And he's going to sit there and wait for the Red Hood to show up. He's going to have these weapons ready. He's got the gas that he can use. I know the Red Hood has his, you know, helmet that'll help, but it's going to delay. It's going to slow down the Red Hood. It's going to give him the chance to where he's a droid. He doesn't have to worry about breathing, you know, seeing through the gas. He's got his optics he can use. The gun has many different optics. Like I said, it has enhanced optics. I just think sitting and waiting is a terrible move in this situation right now. Sitting and waiting in Blood Gulch, I think that'd be a decent move. But sitting and waiting right here, I think it's just like a losing move. And I honestly, now that I think about it, I think Jackie Briggs would just say fuck it if Starlet goes in the air and would see that tangle between Arbiter and Shipmaster. And if Jackie Briggs goes against Arbiter while... Like getting like teaming up with Shipmaster, Arbiter is definitely going down. At the moment Jackie Briggs turns her back from Peter Quill, he's going to shoot her right in the back. He's an expert marksman and a master tactician. Don't forget that. Jackie Briggs a, is fast, very fast moving though. 
And that's, you know, I going toe that. to toe with like with like Kotal Khan and Ferator. Okay, well, did you know that Peter Quill has gone toe to toe with uh, a little comic book villain? Some of you might know, known as Thanos, and you know, <laughs> been able to get the upper hand on Thanos. Squirrel Girl got the upper hand on Thanos. Squirrel Girl gets the upper hand on everybody. She is that's <laughs> how she is written. Don't even fucking bring her up. <laughs> come on now. No, I, I think it's just going to come up to like Jackie Briggs teaming up with Shitmaster to take down Arbiter, and Arbiter is down. I think that's what's going to happen. I don't think uh, Peter Quill is going to be fast enough to protect Arbiter. And uh... I, while, while you're thinking that HK47 is trying to snipe down Red Hood, he's going to be moving consistently. And I think HK-47 and Red Hood are a stalemate. And a stalemate right now, I think, is going in favor to me. I disagree with you there, buddy, because for the simple fact that the HK-47 HK has so many different weaponry, if the Red Hood, is he's not going to be hurt by the Red Hood's conventional weapons. How is the Red Hood going to take him out? I'm not hearing that. The Red Hood is a human when it comes down to it. And... HK-47 is an assassin droid. He is a metal machine, a droid, a battle droid made for combat, made of metal pieces. Bullets are not going to take him down with his little pistols that he has. Yes, it can. It can. It can. It can. Because the reason why that in Star Wars that they use plasma instead of like bullets, because bullets do exist in the Star Wars universe. I think they're called something like slug shots. I think it's just that slug shots were more expensive, so it made more sense to have plasma shots. But slug shots do more damage. That is a fact. Well, a slug shot and a 9mm bullet are very different, Blake. Do you understand that? That's that's just what they called it in the Star Mm. Wars universe. Okay. Well, uh, I still don't think that a you know, a pistol is going to be as effective as the weapons and that Red Hood he's still got. Has explosives as well, grenades and rockets and you know, sonic screamers. How is he going to be able to focus and you know be able to aim with a sonic screamer going off in his face? It's going to be very disruptive. I don't, I don't know. I still think Red Hood's too acrobatic for this situation right now. He's he's at a stalemate with HK forty seven. I think that's what is happening right now. And I, I think, think Arbiter HK is down. Four... I think Arbiter is definitely down. I beg to differ. The Arbiter is a more decorated veteran, you know, more decorated than the Shipmaster. You know, the Arbiter still has his face. He's never lost his face. He might have lost some battles, but he's still a whole, you know, still a whole uh, alien. You know, he, the he flood hasn't. Is no joke. Know. The Flood is no joke. You're right. And he was there when the Flood first happened in the, in the very first Halo game. Yeah, when Shipmaster. the flood... Shipmaster was, yeah. yes. So it was the Arbiter. You, you, you're very aware of that. The Arbiter was responsible. You know, he was in charge of that main, you know, Yeah, loss. but they already knew about it, though. Yeah, he still faced him. Yeah, and Shipmaster faced it with no background knowledge on this flood threat at all. That By the time that the Arbiter faced him the first time, he didn't have extensive knowledge on the flood. Mm, still some knowledge. Mm, not enough to be effective in combat, if you ask me. I don't know, but I don't think Peter Quill is doing any damage at this point. Peter Quill is an expert marksman and a master tactician. He's got the rocket boots to launch him into the air. He's got those twin pistols. He can fire. And I, I don't think I think you're under, uh, underestimating him no, greatly in this. I'll I, just, I do don't think Jackie Jack- Briggs is gonna like tangle with them like. Sh- she might see him launch himself up in the air and then see like Arbiter tangling with Shipmaster in the middle of the battlefield. And I think he, she's just going to say, all right, I might go over there. And yes, I think uh, Star-Lord is going to be shooting down at that battle, but it's going to be a quick fight if it's Jackie Briggs and Shipmaster versus Arbiter. Okay. I don't think you understand where I'm co- what I'm trying to get at. Okay. You, got, you said Jackie Briggs is rushing Star-Lord originally, correct? That yeah, was the original she'll... statement. And then she's she'll... rushing him. And then she sees him watching this himself in the air. I think she'll think twice about it and I... move on. As she's as he's launching himself into the air, he's firing his pistols. He's jumping up, straight up, changing his direction, firing down at Jackie Briggs, who's running straight towards him. Before she has time to realize what he's doing, he's launching himself up, firing down. It's a common move that he does very frequently, firing and... his pistols yeah. while he's moving in his air while he's moving directions. I've read the scene, yeah. 
okay, so he's going to do that. He's going to launch her up before she's got time to realize there's another fight going on. He's already going to be firing down at Becky her. Becky Briggs is going to be looking at him just saying, oh, that's cool. He's got jet boots and everything. She's going to keep on moving. She has special forces in history. Like, history. Like she has special forces knowledge and everything. I want to know what she's got to protect herself from a blaster fire to the face. Because that's what's going to happen before she has time to realize there's another fight going on. Before she's she has time, straight at like Starlord when he's launching himself in the air. She's going to keep on moving, but she's rushing. Uh, oh, I, I beg to differ. We can debate about she's that. She's going to keep on moving. I, th- I still think Red Hood's going to be like dodging all everything HK47 has to offer. Arbiter and Shipmaster—they're still tangling. If you're not going to like agree with me on the statement that Jackie Briggs is going to join in on that fight. And I think what it's going to come down to is, you know, you said it before that their energy sword combat is going to be pretty similar, but I'm going to have to disagree. When has the shipmaster ever taken out three assassins at once without ever taking a single scratch? He still has experience with energy sword and he's no chump with it, but I, I know think that are... neither is the, I know he's no chump, but when has he ever done something as impressive as the what Arbiter? What I think is that you're just relying sword? too much on Arbiter as your tank right now, and I don't think he's a tank character at all. I don't. I don't think he's a tank character. You're right. You know, and actually, in the Halo, when he's the NPC along with you during the campaign mode, he actually gets taken out very frequently, and it's actually <laughs> kind of it's kind of annoying. <laughs> but when I think it comes down to it in hand to hand combat and you know, when it comes down to the Arbiter and the Shipmaster, the Arbiter has take... better equipment. Like Arbiter's armor is old fashioned. There's like, like there's gaps in it. Like it looks, it looks old. It's badass, but it looks old. And Shipmaster says, says it himself, like your camouflage won't last as long as ours. Yours isn't as new as ours. Like something along those lines. You can, he's implying that his armor really isn't that good. It's just for show. Really? Yeah, they do have an outdated arm uh, camouflage that's very, a limited time compared to the newer elite armor where it's the unlimited camouflage. Um, but I don't think that's going to be as much of a factor when, you know, he's also got his plasma rifle and the Covenant carbine. You know, he could, before it even that battle could engage, he's got two different weapons he could be using from a distance. Or as well as, you know, if, if the battle becomes a stalemate, he can separate himself. And, you know, use those weapons to his advantage where the shipmaster might have that plasma shield, the defensive shield to go along yeah. with it. But I, at the end I of the day, we still have HK-47 from waiting to snipe from the top. And I don't think that the Red Hood, if you know, you haven't convinced me that the Red Hood's going to be able to overcome all of these obstacles and weapons that HK-47 has. You know, I think it's he, still a stalemate on both their parts. You're not convincing me that... HK-47 is taking out Red Hood, but I, was, I just want to touch on something real quick. The reason why I say that the Arbiter and Shipmaster are going at an energy sword fight, because, like I said, like they have a mentality that's very comparable to the samurai, and like they're very honorable. They want to fight like head-on with swords. That's just what the elites do. Uh, and I agree, and I agree. And then, it, and then if I, you know, goes back to that statement, I'll bring it back to my statement as what has the shipmaster done with an energy sword that's an impressive is taking out three assassins, not just three enemies, three assassins at once and hasn't taken a single scratch. Well, just keep in mind, like, like going back to my notes here that shipmaster is held at like a covenant camp by himself against the flood alone. Like, yeah, he was alone and he held the covenant camp for like a landing against the flood by himself. And what weapons did he have with him? And what does the flood his have basics, as weapons? Everything, really. They have the pop. Oh, like what are the official names for it? Like the poppers. I call them squid. They get launched out of the poppers, and they have like, oh, excuse me, they're like the basic flood troops that like have heavy melee damage, and they also have shotguns usually or plasma rifles. No energy swords, though, right? They don't need energy swords, bro. They got that heavy melee damage swinging those big-ass arms. You know how much damage they did when you played Halo? Yeah, but not as much as a melee attack from an energy sword. Am I right? It Am I right? Your shield, took out your shield, but those melee more, arms more, hurt your health. What did more damage? What did I'm going to have to go back and play Halo. I, all right, I'm just going to leave right now and play Halo for a couple hours, and I'll come right back. All right, thanks, buddy. <laughs> um, 
I don't well, know. I, we're at a steady disagreement right now. I don't know. I, I know we are at a definite disagreement. I think we've on you know, all laid out three characters. On all three characters. All six characters, I mean. All six, six characters well, are all I mean, in the description. All three, all three, you know, they've all... All three matchups. I mean... You know, yeah. So, um, I don't know, Blake. Let's see. What, if you... I'm going to give up... I'll give Peter Quill, if you're willing to give up the shipmaster. So, what you're saying is, all right, so it's Jackie Briggs versus Ar- Arbiter and Red Hood versus HA-47. Yes. I don't think Arbiter comes out of that fight unscathed, though. Neither does Jackie Briggs. Okay, all right, all right. Make a good point. I just thought about that right before you said it. Um, Jackie Briggs versus Arbiter, Red Hood versus HK forty seven. That's we're not touching on that argument at all. So we're gonna comes, move on to Jackie Briggs. To, yeah, I guess it comes down to Jackie Briggs versus Arbiter right now. Hmm. And I think the Arbiter. Obviously, I'm gonna say the Arbiter is gonna take it, but you know, based off of his long range, mid range, and close range combat, I think he's definitely gonna take that. You know, Jackie Briggs isn't gonna be able to take one carbine blast to the face or chest or wherever he hits her with, or, or she gets in brutal ass fights. I'm not talking about like the the game mode, like a where you're able to suffer an X-ray move and keep on fighting. I'm not talking about that, but she gets in hand in fights with like very powerful characters. Okay, well, what if Arbiter lets her get close enough and then just unloads his plasma rifle on her? It's a fully automatic plasma weapon that he can just unload until it overheats. You, you think she's going to be able? For that. You got to have quick hands for that. He's he's what he does. Well, I mean, but I think uh, the quickest hands right now in this fight is Jackie Riggs. She is an Olympic level kickboxer. They've got to meet somewhere. How that? How do they meet? Where do they meet? Where are they meeting at this map? You know, that's another going to be another big important. So you he know? said Peter Quill is in the backyard. So and then I think Arbiter and Shipmaster they just met in the middle because they wanted to duke it out. So they're just meeting back in the middle. I think Arbiter. I don't think Arbiter is fast enough to take down Jackie Briggs. If you've ever played a Jackie Briggs, she ha- does have a lot of speed. Okay, well I think one thing that's going to be a big factor. <laughs> well, I think one thing that's going to be a big factor is his camouflage. The Arbiter's camouflage. I think that's going to be a huge factor in getting the surprise, you know, getting an advantage over Jackie Briggs. He's going to... Camouflage still exists in the Mortal Kombat universe. But can... Yeah, exactly. Can Jackie Briggs see it? No, he's going to be invisible. It might only be for 10 seconds, but that could be... I think, like, when it comes down to it, Jackie Briggs would fuck Reptile's ass up, and I think he's the only character with camouflage, if I remember correctly. But Reptile also doesn't have the battle prowess and weaponry that the Arbiter is going to be bringing to this table. The Arbiter is going to need 10 seconds to sneak up on Jackie Briggs. He could spear her with Jackie the Briggs energy Jackie Briggs is sword. never standing still, though. Well, then he can wait until he can get an open shot. And so, right, wait, unload, wait, wait, wait. What did you say before I said that? Like, ten, He just needs 10 seconds to use the camouflage to be able to get an open shot. To use the energy sword, to spear her with the energy sword, to get an open right, shot from so the distance. You- do you remember playing Halo One at all? Yeah. Do you remember briefly. the first time you saw like the elites using camouflage? Yes. Okay. Like, just tell me what you remember about that. You could briefly see the outline. I'll give you that. I know what no, you. I know what no, you're getting at. No, 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 no. You can definitely see the energy sword. It's the energy sword's not camouflaged. Okay, but you don't see any other weapons. I know. Yeah, and no, you can see the plasma rifle. You can see the plasma rifle. Okay, well, point being, Jackie Briggs isn't going to be looking for a plasma rifle. She's going to be looking for a giant hulking alien, and Arbiter is going to be able to still get. She he Arbiter will be able to use it to his advantage to get an open shot. Is what I'm trying to. So what I think is that as soon as the battle starts, Shipmaster's going camouflage. Jackie Briggs and Red Hood sprint forward, and like she's going to see like. Shipmaster go camouflage. He'll just let her know, "Hey, I'm going camouflage right now. All right, I'm gonna go fight." <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I think that the arbiter is gonna take this between the two of them. He's, uh, he's a seven foot ten alien with. Uh, he's responsible for over one billion, one billion human hey, lives, hey, and not on. only that, twenty three thousand. Shipmaster glass a continent. Excuse half me? A continent. Last half a continent. 
okay, the Arbiter killed a billion lives. That's more than one continent, Blake. I mean, it depends. Uh, what was the, you know? You don't have a body count. I didn't. All right, all right. Ah! All right. I'm still, I'm still not giving this one to you. We're at a steady disagreement. All right then. I, I'm not giving up on Jackie Briggs. All right, so I think it's going to come down to Jackie Briggs versus the Arbiter, and I think we've made some pretty valid points on you know what we think, how we think the battles would go, as well as. You know, Red Hood and HK-47, you know, my strategy, my, the point I'm going to, the final point I'm going to make for HK-47 and Red Hood, and I'll, I won't argue any more on that, is I think HK-47 will have this trap set, just like I said in the very beginning, they're going to spend their initial moments setting traps That's, around the entrances. It's too long, because you got sprinters. Think about setting mines up in, like, Nuketown in a regular Call of Duty match. That's going to take up way too much time, and it's going to put you out of liability couple seconds to set up a couple traps no 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 a couple so, seconds per trap and you've got it you're not going to know exactly where he is right off the bat he's got time you can't you can't argue with that you can't say he doesn't have time to set up a couple traps everyone everyone right off the bat just has time to set up a couple traps in a I new know, but i just i think they're wasting time to be honest not for my strategy because when the red hood shows up HK-47 has enough disruptive weapons, grenades, sonic screamers. I think a guy who got trained by Batman is able to detect a couple of traps. Well, I th- you're not, this is my point. He's got enough disruptive weapons, the poison gas, the cluster rockets, the screamers, the grenades. He's going to set him up to one of his traps, the plasma charges, the mines, and he's going to set him into one of his traps without him even realizing it. The guy's made for fighting Jedi. He's very yeah, important. There's no Jedi impact. in this match. You're right. But what about when he gets hit with his the excuse me? What about when he gets hit with his assassin rifle that disintegrates at the molecular level? What has the Red Hood got to prepare himself defend himself against that? I'm still not seeing it. Is that is that really in his basic setup? That is his go to weapon is his droid assassin rifle, and that is the standard like when droid you modify assassin. It. No, that is his dro- that is the standard droid assassin rifle on the Wikipedia. You can go look it up on Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Exactly. That's what the it's a Star Wars based fan page. I know, I know, I know. So it, it so is funny. Uh, I know, it's very punny. But you know, it's a heavily modified disruptor rifle. Uh, and uh, the definition of a disruptor rifle in the Star Wars universe is a vicious and devastating weapon that disintegrates its target. It tears apart its victim at the molecular level. So that is a, a heavily modified disruptor rifle. The disruptor rifle alone does, disintegrates at the molecular level. His is heavily modified. So keep that in mind. He's, he's, here, bud. Well, then I think we're going to have to leave this to uh, people on Twitter and Instagram and uh, anyone who listens and they could leave a comment on the Anybody page. Anybody who listens, pick my side. No, I think you need to listen to all points, valid, <laughs> valid points, and you know, give us a fair assessment on who you think would, you know, who's going to take this in the battle, the team Dirt Grounds team deathmatch at Nuketown. Uh, we'll give it one week. Um, so, well, let's hear it. We'll see. Let let us know what you think. Uh, let us know what you thought about the episode, and if you like the uh, scenario me and Blake just played out for you, if you think you want to hear it again. Uh, if you never want to hear it again, don't bother telling us because we don't give a shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> but a couple oh. things I want to touch on, though, is uh, we mentioned a lot of Jedi in this episode. I haven't talked to you about this yet. But another thing I would like to conversate with you is um, a Jedi battle, but with no force. Just straight lightsaber like fights, like dead on. Some Similar to a Nordground's Teton deathmatch, but just straight Jedi and no force. Would you be interested in that? Yeah, we. I mean, that's definitely something I would be willing to discuss in the future, and you know, work something out and get some plans. Uh, yeah, I think it would be interesting. But I reason why I said no force is because I think it'd be a much more interesting fight if there was no force involved. So that means, like, obviously Yoda would be very ineffective. No, I mean he he's, doesn't have he's his still force a jump. talent. He still has. A, no, you could. All right, how about? Oh, we're gonna have to discuss it more then. Exactly. <laughs> this is something we have to work out. This is something we're gonna have to figure out uh, in a separate conversation outside of the podcast. But I will get in details and all that shit. And um, another thing I want to touch on is that no matter what the outcome of this is, we should just have 
once we get the chance or when we think it's an appropriate time, we can have a rematch at Blood Gulch. I definitely think the next match should be at Blood Gulch. Uh, I, I, I can't even lie to you. I had sit there and, you know, when we originally planned this out, my original plans were for Blood Gulch. I really thought Blood Gulch was going to win the pool. I think uh, I, I think if you had Blood Gulch, I think it'd be a lot more effective, to be honest. My characters were definitely more of a long range based, uh, you know, especially with HK 47s, you know, sniping abilities as well as the Arbiter's carbine. Uh, I think this would have been a better suited long range match. Agreed, agreed. So I will yeah. <laughs> be very much looking forward to the next Nerd Grounds. Team Deathmatch that we do. Very excited. Um, Blake, thank you very, very much. I had a lot of fun. As always, fun. I have a lot of fun with it. Thank every you for episode. letting me win. Uh, that is highly debatable. And we will leave that <laughs> up to the fans. To the people. The nerds. Well, as always, guys, thank you very much for listening. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Nerd Grounds Team Deathmatch. Looking forward to the next rematch at Blood Gulch. Blake, as always, thank you so much. I had so much fun. I'm looking forward to it again and our next episode. More scenarios coming your way. We're working on shit and other shit too. <laughs> and thank you all for listening to the Nerd Grounds podcast. You have a great week. Bye. Bye.